Let us worship God. Psalm from Psalms for Praying. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy One, in you are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose the way of your wisdom. Amen. Blessed are you who reverence the beloved, who walk in love's way. You radiate an inner joy and peace wherever you go. Compassion draws you to the gates of those in need. 
Families and friends gather upon your doorstep. Children run to greet you with open arms. Yes, blessed are you who reverence the beloved. Strangers feel at home in your presence. <clears throat> the oppressed are comforted by your support. Blessed indeed are you who reverence the beloved. Peace is within you. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the letter to the Romans, the eighth chapter, beginning with the 26th verse. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. For those whom God foreknew, God also predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom God predestined, God also called. And those whom God called, God also justified. And those whom God justified, God also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? God, who did not withhold God's own Son, but gave him up for all of us, will God not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through God who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here ends the reading. An owl moved onto our street this summer. When the windows are open to receive the cool of the night, the sounds of his call float through the screens, and his deep feathery voice repeats in my dreams, merging and transforming. His call returned me to the song of morning doves in my grandmother's yard, a place where the light glowed pink against the mesa, and the young cactus measured my life like pencil marks on a wall. Or maybe he would say, I measured his. It was the place of family vacations, of quiet 
and laughter, of cool mornings and afternoon heat. It was the invisible home that remained within me, and I believed in each of us. My grandparents, my brother, my mother and father, a place we forever lived together. But while I was sitting in the shade of the veranda, still listening to the buzz of the cicadas, still keeping company with ants and lizards, the impossible happened. I awoke from my inner being to find a mountain that was unshatterable, unmovable, that held the calm of all will be well. That stillness of the mountain crumbled with a slow motion rock slide. And sadness filled the air with smoke. The weeping of a nation, now only living in my bones, made the sky heavy with silence. And there was no one to tell, no one to gather, no words to speak. All that could be done was to stand in witness, to see this incredible stability gone, with rocks taken and piled in new hills like shards of soot. When I heard the owl's call, he floated down next to the saguaro beside me, and I understood. It was the loss of family. They say divorce is easier when you're an adult. But I was still the child sitting on the veranda when I awoke. When you lose a family, do you lose the invisible homes as well? The owl answered as he still carried me home on the wings of the desert through the call of love. Though the norm in Western modernity is that there is only one normal mode of consciousness, waking life, we are an anomaly compared to the rest of the world throughout history. Social scientists Bruce Molina and John Pilch identify altered states of consciousness throughout the Bible as they try to do justice to the worlds we enter there. These altered states are another way of knowing, another way of sharing and understanding what is true. They are defined as conditions where sensations, perceptions, emotions, and cognition are altered. When a person is in such a state, Molina and Pilch explain, the experience modifies the relation of the individual to the self, body, and sense of identity, and the environment of time, space, or other people. Leaning on the work of an anthropologist, they name 20 states of consciousness. Dreaming, 
sleeping, drowsiness before sleep, though a state of semi-consciousness before waking, rapture, trance, and stored memory, to name just a few. They explain that in trance or any other altered state of consciousness, a person encounters, indeed enters, another level or aspect of reality that is registered physiologically in the brain the same way normal experiences are. Culturally normal or consensual reality is that aspect or dimension of reality of which a person is most commonly aware most of the time. Alternate reality describes that dimension of reality in which non-human personages such as spirits and or the deity reside, of which human beings from culturally normal reality can sometimes visit in ecstatic states. The experience of alternate reality is non-rational, but not irrational. It was in one such altered reality that Paul was transformed. He'd always been concerned about the honor, the glory, the well-being and care of his people. This is what was beneath his persecution of his fellow Israelites who had become Jesus' followers. He was concerned that they had brought dishonor, a promise of future harm on the community, and he wanted to intervene. But on the road to Damascus, things changed. A light from heaven flashed, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice ask, Why are you persecuting me? And after losing the sight he once knew, Scales fell from his eyes, and he became convinced that belief in the risen Christ was not their shame, not their promise of destruction, but their strength. It meant God was still active among them, and that nothing, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, in all creation, would be able to separate them from the love of God. And he believed that if all the people would but know this, the peaceable kingdom of their dreams would be realized. Peace is a gift of God unable to be controlled. It's like the wind of the Spirit with its own life moving among us. And yet Paul also understood that the truths of our inward being are mirrored in our actions. If you believe God is active within and among you, and that caring for your relationship with God means caring for one another, your focus will be on upbuilding and strengthening the community. And peace will grow in and among you. Blessed are those who reverence the beloved, who walk in love's way, as the psalm reads. 
Compassion draws you to the gates of those in need. Families and friends gather upon your doorstep. Children run to greet you with open arms. Strangers feel at home in your presence. The oppressed are comforted by your support. Peace is within you. Yes, the Spirit of God was still active among them. And like the firstborn opens the womb that future children might follow, Paul believed Jesus was but the first in the family, including Abraham and each person now living who would rise once more. As old as he was, it should have been impossible for Abraham to experience new life. But new life was born and will be born again. With all the death we've known in the stories we've inherited, all the loss and alienation we've carried, on the road to Damascus, the light changed. A voice floated down from the heavens and one among us believed in our peace. A peace that endures even when death comes. He glimpsed a vision of our reconciliation in God. Looking out on the world, he saw the truth as if for the first time that we've been known and welcomed and loved from the beginning. There was nothing we ever could have done to make that so, and there is nothing that could ever be done to break it. Though mountains may crumble and hills turn to dust, love remains. But when dust fills the sky, it can take a minute for love to resurface. Loss is an incredibly personal thing. Though we've all experienced it in one way or another, when you're in the midst of it, it can be difficult to translate. And when you realize another person can't meet you there, not exactly, not fully, it can be alienating. It can feel like drowning in quicksand. The more you try to work your way out of it, the more you sink into it. And sometimes there is no way to get out of that isolation other than to be a witness in it and to welcome in the owls and the saguaros to come and witness it with you. It can take time to know where you are because you're just lost in the desert for a while. You don't even know what you're seeing until someone says, that sounds like the loss of family or the loss of a dream or the loss of friendship or purpose. And suddenly you don't have to dig against the quicksand anymore. In all the words he writes, in all the legalese and explanations, I believe what Paul is trying to do is call us out of alienation and into community, into the community of God, into the community of one another, the human and non-human among us, so that owls come and peace grows 
like a young cactus accompanying your life, an invisible home that remains eternal. May it be so for you and for me. Amen.
As we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God. Is the force that knows 
us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in silence, in song, in word, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Go forth and know that nothing can separate you from the love of God, not death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.